So growing up, I had a younger brother and a younger sister. And my younger brother is what some people would say um, he had to learn the hard way with like most things in his life. And so from the time he could talk, um, apparently he would make up these like elaborate stories and he had this um, tiny little problem with lying. And so we, we grew up, my dad was a pastor and so he, he knew right from wrong, he knew that lying was bad. Um, and my parents tried everything in the book they could think of to like help this kid like he, ha he has to stop lying. And so, I mean, this is back in the day when it was more appropriate, you know, they, they would spank him and he would get his mouth washed out with soap and he'd be put in timeout or toys in timeout. Like they tried everything. They like told him what the Bible said. And, and so um, I think it was when he was like in third grade, my parents got a phone call from the school and they're like, hey, um, did you guys sign this homework assignment? And my parents had no idea what they were talking about. And they're like, Okay, we were wondering because um, it has your signature and um, Jake said that you guys were just a little tired when you signed this paper. Like, first of all, what third grader knows what forging is? So he had signed my parents' um, names and so they're like, you need to take care of this. So they're like, yeah, of course, I'm so sorry. And so Jake gets home from school that day and my dad's like, hey, bud, how's your day? He's like, good, dad, great day. He's like, do you need to tell me anything? And Jake's like, no. Mm-mm. No, great day. Are you sure, Jake? Did, did you get in any trouble today? No, Dad, no. It was, it was a great day. Everything's cool. Dad's like, okay, um, let's go into your room. We need to have a little chat. And so my brother's like, okay. You know, this is like normal. Like, have a go, go talk in your room. And so um, apparently he was a pretty good reader. So my dad hands him this piece of paper. And he's like, I want you to read what this paper says. And my dad had written down a few Bible verses. And Proverbs 12, 22 says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. And Proverbs 29, 15, to discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother's disgraced by an undisciplined child. And Hebrews 12, 6, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. And as my brother's, you know, reading these, he's um, understanding he's been caught. And so he begins to kind of get a little cry and he's like, okay, I'm sorry, dad, I lied. And he like confesses all this stuff. And my dad's like, Jake, I, I don't know what else to do. Like I've, I've taught you everything I know. Like, I don't know why you, you aren't learning this. And, and so my dad takes his belt off and he puts it on the bed. He's like, here's the deal. One of us needs a spanking and it must be me because I've given you tons of spankings and you don't learn. So I must be a bad dad. So you need to just go ahead and spank me. And my third grader brother's like, huh? Like, I, what, do you, what do you mean? I need, I need to spank you. Like, no, dad, I, I'm sorry. I, I know. And my dad's like, nope you need to spank me, take that bell and spank me. And so my, my dad said my brother like was just weeping and like a puddle of a mess and he acted like this belt weighed 100 pounds and he's like, <coughs> like he like wasn't even trying, just like uh, just a complete mess. So needless to say, this kind of got his um, attention and, and lying became less of a problem for him. Um, and he understood, I should probably just tell the truth because apparently spanking your dad is a really hard thing to do. So I don't, I don't know if any of you um, in this room can relate, and maybe some of you are that kid that had to learn the hard way, or your sibling, or a friend, they just like, they could not figure things out without just being told, they had to learn the hard way, but hopefully, you know, most of you have grown out of this, but like, you know, you had to learn the hard way that if you didn't tie your shoe, you're going to trip and fall. 
Or if you lie, you're probably going to get caught. Or if you don't study for your test, you're probably going to fail. Like some of us, you know, learn the hard way. But this is what we kind of want to talk tonight be, about tonight because I actually think that learning the hard way is a lie. I actually believe we don't have to learn the hard way. I think that's kind of an excuse. We don't have to learn the hard way. We can actually be teachable people that can learn things before we have to go through things the hard way. Way. And so tonight we're finishing up our series called Adulting Sucks. And it's been a really great series. If you've missed the last couple of weeks, go listen on our podcast. It's been some really awesome information. So I'm excited to finish up tonight and teach you about being teachable. It's a skill that we all need to learn because we really don't have to learn the hard way. Will that happen sometimes? Sure, absolutely. Sometimes we, we're gonna learn the hard way. You know, we can do our best to, to not, but sometimes it's gonna happen. But I wanted to start by defining what a teachable person is. It's simply a person who is capable of being taught. Right, that's all of us. We're all capable of being taught. And what I think is the really important part to, to recognize is it's someone who is willing Someone who is willing to learn. And this skill can be used in all areas of life. This isn't just like for church. This is like in, in, at school, in coaching, any kind of sports, music. If you want to like impress an employer, like tell them, like teach them that you're a teachable person and that you have this skill. They're going to find interest in you. They're going to want to invest in you. Any teacher, any coach. These are like the most fun people to be around is people that are teachable. So I wanna look at three different ways that we can learn to be a teachable people. And I wanna start in the book of Matthew to help us understand this and what we need to learn this really incredibly mature skill in adulting, okay? So Matthew 13, it says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears should listen and understand. And I love this. Jesus is teaching in a parable, which is just um, a simple story to illustrate a lesson that he wanted to teach. And what's cool about this particular parable is he um, explained what it meant. A lot of his parables, he didn't explain. He wanted people to, to have ears and understand. But this one, he explains what it means. So he goes on to say um, in verse 18, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seed. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed that fell on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. They're so excited. But since they're, they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded away by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. 
so I really wanna focus on this good and fertile soil. And, and what, what does that mean? Um, because we want to be people, as followers of Christ, we want to be people who understand God's word. So what does soil need to be good soil? And I'll just be real honest, um, I don't have like a green thumb, not a gardener, not a farmer. Um, in fact, I'm supposed to be taking care of my mom's plants and I think I may have killed one already and it's only been not that long. Okay, so I, I like don't know a lot about plants or, or gardening or anything like that. So the teachable person I am, I ask people who know about gardening, okay? So I learned a few very simple things about gardening, okay? The first thing that you need with gardening is you need soft soil. Okay, right, it's, I don't know if any of you have ever helped your parents plant a garden or planted a tree or flowers or whatever, but like hard soil is like impossible to work with. Like you can't do anything with, you can't get like seeds down in there. It's just like impossible. So you need soft soil and the, and the soil needs good nutrients and it needs food like poop or fertilizer, right? It needs the, the yuck to help it grow or I don't really know. And it needs light and water. And so it needs all this stuff to help it grow and, and produce um, a harvest. So how can we produce a harvest in our life? What does it look like for our hearts to be soft soil so that we can produce a harvest in our own lives, um, that we can have hearts that are teachable? So the first thing you can learn about being teachable is we have to be humble. We have to be humble. And I just wanna like clear the air because I think humility can get very confusing and, and people can think like, oh, somebody that's humble is weak or they aren't strong or like, I, I feel like there, some people think humility means like you don't think very well about yourself, like you have low self-esteem and that's absolutely not what humility is. Humility kind of says, not that you think less of yourself, but you think about yourself less, like less often. Like, like you're, you're putting others before yourself. It's, it's less um, often that you're thinking, but it doesn't mean that you're not strong. It doesn't mean you're weak. So to have a humble heart is someone who is willing to say, I actually don't know everything and, and I actually do need help and I actually do want to learn and I am willing to, to be taught. Isaiah 29, 19 says, the humble will be filled with fresh joy from the Lord. And don't humble people really seem to be joyful? Like I've noticed a few people in my life that are really humble. They, they do seem to be filled with joy. And I just love that. Like I wanna be filled with a fresh joy from the Lord because I'm humble. Like I, I would love that. And so good soil starts with somebody who, who is humble and, and they're just encouraging to be around. They're easy to be around. They're fun to be around. They, they carry themselves with like a quiet confidence. Um, and it's just a really attractive quality to possess. And I believe that a will a willing heart is a heart that the Lord can use. A willing heart is a heart that the Lord can use. And the opposite of that, the opposite of that soft soil is a hard soil and that is pride. Hard soil is someone who is full of pride that says, I, I know how to do it. I got this. Like, I don't, I don't need your help. Like, I'm good. Like, I know this. Um, and, and usually, like, they end up looking, like, more stupid <laughs> because they think they know something and then they fall on their face because they didn't ask for help. And, and it just kind of gets really, really messy. And, and God can't work with hard soil. He can't work with someone who is so full of pride that says, I don't need you, God. I'm good. God can't work with that. And do you know that that was our enemy's downfall? That was what separated the enemy from Jesus was his pride. So this is something that is so important that we can learn to be people that are humble. 
Another quality about humble people is that they can take correction without losing their mind. Kind of like Pastor JL talked about a couple weeks ago, like it's okay to own your mistakes. We're all gonna make them, um, but let's do it well. Psalm 141.5 says, let the godly strike me. What? It will be a kindness. If they correct me, it is soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. This is from King David who is saying correction is good for us. It is kind for someone who is godly to correct you and, and kind of put you back in your place. It should be soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse correction. Revelation 3.19 says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Have, have you heard your parents say this? I'm doing this because I love you. I'm taking your phone because I love you. I'm grounding you because I love you. And you're like, what? I, that, does, that makes no sense, right? But it actually does. This is what God says in the Bible is he corrects and disciplines those that he loves. So someone who is humble, whose heart is that soft soil is okay and willing to ask for help. They're willing to ask questions in order to grow. Psalm 69, 32 says, the humble will see their God at work and be glad. Hum Humility seems like this awesome thing. It's something that we should all possess. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. And then that's the next thing that we need to be teachable. We need to be willing to ask for help. We need to be willing to ask those questions. And I think asking good questions is vital to our spiritual and emotional growth. I think seeking God's help is one of the very best things that we can do. But often pride gets in the way because pride says, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to sound stupid, so I'm not going to ask for help. And really this turns into like a false humility when, when it's like, no, I'm good, I'm good. I got this. I can do this on my own, right? That's false humility. Like ask for help. That's, that's, not, that's not good for us to just not ask. We have to be asking for help. Don't allow your heart to be hard soil and full of pride. Like if you don't know how to read the Bible, just ask. Like that's, that's something, something people want to help you with. Or if you don't understand how prayer works in this conversation between you and the Lord, it's okay. Ask someone, like we, we're here to like help or, or if you don't know how to like navigate your future, I know some of you are graduating in the spring and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. That's okay. Most of us don't know what we're doing when we're about to graduate. Ask someone who's gone before you, someone that you trust, someone who is wise and godly and, and ask for help. The Bible says if we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us because he gives us wisdom generously. And this is one of my favorite things to do, actually. Like I am probably annoying to some people because I'm kind of inquisitive and I love asking questions, especially about an area that I want to learn and grow in. Like I, I wanna go and talk to somebody who, who knows about something I wanna learn about, if it's health or gardening or you know whatever it is. I wanna talk to somebody and ask questions. And so, um, I like to think I'm a teachable person. I like to think I was like that most of my life growing up. And as an adult, I like to think I'm teachable. But there was one area that I really struggled with um, being teachable in um, growing up and into adulting. And that was the area of relationships. That was the area of dating because I thought I knew what I was doing, okay? Let's just be honest, I did not have a clue, okay? And so... Um, I, I was just 
pretty full of pride. And um, poor little me thought that I knew better than God. <gasps> Yikes, right? Disaster waiting to happen when we think we know better than God. Like, oh dear Jesus, help us all when we begin to think we know better than him. But I did, I, I, I didn't trust God in this area of my life. I honestly kind of thought if I trusted God in a dating relationship that he'd make me marry someone annoying and like nerdy and unattractive. Like, that's so embarrassing to say. Why would I think that like God who created me would have such low standards for me? And, but this is like a lie that the enemy sold me that I believed I'd have to marry someone annoying. But anyways, and so, and so I did it on my own for way too long. And I made like a horrible mess of my life for several years dating the wrong guys over and over and in the midst of it getting my heart broken and breaking other people's hearts and it was just this like horrible disaster that I had like caused myself because I didn't want to listen to what God was saying and to what my mentors in my life's life was saying and so um I finally got out of a relationship and I was like that was horrible like what am I doing and um so I just said okay Lord, I'm gonna choose to trust you. I clearly am getting this really wrong in my life. And so um, I humbled myself before the Lord and, and I went to him and I said, Lord, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that I haven't trusted you in this area. And I asked for forgiveness for like many, 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 many sins that I had committed and just like this disaster I'd made of my life in this area. And, um, and I started asking him like, okay, well, what? what do you have for me? And, and is this something that, that I can have? And I started reading his word about what marriage was and what that looked like for my future. And um, I started getting really good at asking questions. And, and I would go to like every married couple that I looked up to and, and like wanted to have a marriage like, and I would say, what's the best thing about marriage? What's the hardest thing about marriage? What one piece of advice would you give someone who wants to get married? And I would ask literally like every person I came in contact, like while I was single, this is what I was doing. I was like taking notes because I wanted to be married and I, I wanted to have this life, but I wanted to be good at it because I had been really messy and yucky at it. And so I would take notes and, and, and I learned a lot and like, thank God I did because then and only did then was I successful and, and I've ended up in a really great marriage with two really beautiful kids, but it's only because I chose to trust God and become teachable in this area of my life. And like, God gave me like way better than I ever could have imagined. Like, I, like I, it's just crazy how like bad I picked relationships and then God blessed me with this incredible man. And so I'm, I'm so thankful that I chose to be teachable and let him correct me in this area. Proverbs 19:20 says, get all the advice and instruction you can. Get all the advice and instruction you can. What, whatever area that is, if that's spiritually and you wanna learn more about Christ, like get all the instruction, ask all the questions that you can, get all the wisdom. Or if you wanna go to college, like ask around and like do your research and find people to help you do these kind of things so that you will be wise the rest of your life. So we have to be humble. We have to be willing to ask for help and ask good questions. The third way we can be teachable is we can listen and obey. And I think this video explains it perfectly. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. 
And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because she says, the Lord has Shamad, that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27 verse 7, Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful, answer me. So asking God to Shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, if you shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you shema shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action. And that's the Hebrew word Shema. I told my husband the other night, I'm going to start saying this to my girls because I feel like I'm constantly like, Ava, listen and obey. Adelaide, listen and obey. Girls, listen and obey. So instead of, you know, wasting my breath, I'm just going to say, Shema! Girls, I tried it the other night and they were just they were like, you're weird, mom. Anyways, but, but like, I love this video because I think it like illustrates so perfectly what God is trying to tell our hearts is to listen and obey, Shema. Because what good would it be if we were really good at asking questions, but then we didn't listen and obey? Like what if I would have like heard all of that awesome advice on marriage that I had gotten in, in months of being single and, and then not applied any of it? Like one of my mentors said, um, something that is really important in, in marriage is you need to get really good at asking for forgiveness. And I was like, 
okay, I'll write that down, cool. But like, what if I didn't apply that? What if I was like, that sounds kind of humiliating, that's kind of embarrassing, I don't really want to apologize because that's hard to do. Like, poor Curtis, right? If, if I was like, never sorry for anything I did, like, I'm sure it's hard enough to be married to me as it is, but like, if I never said sorry for the things I did, like, what good would that do if I didn't listen and obey? Y'all, I've had the privilege of, of pastoring and mentoring um, lots of different students here in the last few years. And, and this is something that I love about my job. I love having one-on-one conversations with people and just kind of coaching and helping um, and pastoring through life. And um, my favorite kind of person to like mentor and pastor are teachable ones. They are the most fun when they actually are like receiving what I'm saying and then they like go and apply like what the Bible says. Like when when we read a scripture and it's like God says this and they're like, okay. And they like begin to like apply that to their life and live that out. Like it is so much fun to see people get breakthrough because they're listening and obeying. And it's incredibly frustrating for the opposite, okay? And I'll just be honest, I've had a few people waste my time. Yeah, people have wasted my time because they come in and they wanna chat and that's great. Like I'm, I'm good with listening. I totally wanna listen. But like at the same time, please don't waste my time because if you don't want my advice and you don't wanna hear what I'm gonna say, then what's, what's the point? What are, what are we doing? And, and I've had that happen a few times where um, you know a student will come in and they'll wanna talk and, and I listen and we kind of talk about what the Bible has to say about whatever they're going through and, and here's my advice. And hey, I've actually walked this too and here's what I did. Here's a few things you could do. And, and then they come in a week later and it's the same thing. Okay, well, remember we talked about this is what the Bible says and this is how we, we change and this is how we grow from this. And okay, yeah, I'm gonna do that this week. And then they come back and it's like the same conversation over and over. And it's incredibly frustrating when people aren't teachable. And I think this is something that God really wants for us. He really wants people to listen and obey. He really wants us to learn and and have those teachable hearts because that's where seeds can grow and where harvest can come and where we can really produce fruit. These are my favorite people to be around is teachable people. This is what I want for my life. This is the kind of person I want to be when, when a, somebody older and wiser, my authority and, and leadership in whatever way, if they come and correct me, I wanna be able to be like, yeah, I'm so sorry, I totally own that. And, and I wanna change, like, how can I do better? Like, what, what things can I be reading or doing to, to help this behavior that I'm having? Like, that's the kind of person, that's the kind of people that God can use are those ones that just have that good, soft, soil and are ready to learn and listen to what he has for us. Here's what I think is really cool about God and just how good he is. God tells us, listen and obey. And when we do, he'll reward it, reward us for it. The Bible says in Psalm 19, seven through nine, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. His instructions for us And laws for us revive our soul. Man, 
How many of us could use a little bit of reviving in our souls? How many of us are a little bit tired and we could use that reviving? How many of us could use some more joy and some more insight into our life, rules and instructions that are fair from the Lord? Being teachable is a skill that I believe God wants and desires for each one of us. It's such an important skill as an adult to have this. And I know sometimes adulting sucks. We totally get it. We know sometimes it's really, really hard, but I think it can be easier when we're teachable. I think it can be easier when we're humble, when we're willing to ask for help and willing to ask good questions and then shema when we're willing to listen and obey and apply that to our life. I believe that God will bless and produce a harvest in our life 30 and 60 and 100 times what we plant when we really allow his word to sink deep into the heart and to the root of who we are. I believe everyone in this room is capable of being taught. And I'm gonna say with confidence that we're all like on the edge of our seats, willing and wanting to learn and grow and that we all have a desire to please God. We all have that desire to really deep down, we really do wanna please him and we can please him by being teachable and having a soft heart to the things that he says, even if it's hard, even if someone's correcting us, we can still say, okay, God, that hurts and it doesn't feel good, but I want to learn and I wanna grow and I want to be more like you. Let's pray. Lord, you're so good and we, we just love you so much. And God, I just pray that you would right now make our hearts soft to you, that you would um, make that soil of our hearts begin to grow, that, that the seeds that have been planted in our lives would take root and they would grow and they would produce a harvest in our life. Lord, that you would teach us what it looks like to be humble people who are willing to, to ask for help who are willing to get instruction, to get wisdom, to get all the advice that we can to Shema. Lord, we don't wanna just listen, but we wanna listen and obey. We want to apply what you have for us. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this word. I pray that it goes deep into these students' heart, that we can all learn a little bit more about how to be teachable, that we can grow in this area so that we can please you with our lives. I pray that you bless each one of these students and, and bless all of Blue Team, God, um, this week just with health and safety um, and that you just really are close to us, that your presence is so near. We love you and we thank you. You're so, so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.